Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is August 16th, 2021, and here with me as we gear up for our second annual potathon is my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Potathon! Potathon! I'm so excited about Potathon, Jen. Did we get to use the same exciting music that we used last year? Yes, we're going to use the same music as last year because I love that music. I do too. <laughs> yes, Potathon season is the happiest season of the year. Tell folks about it. Well, it's going to be a little later this year. Mm-hmm. Last year we had a big, lavish Labor Day spectacular. But this year, we're going to do it the week of September 20th, so September 20th through the 24th. And we're still shaping up as to exactly what we're going to offer each day, but it will be each day that week, which is a big treat because people have only been hearing from us twice a month. Daily episodes coming your way. That's right. And what we would like from all of you, dear listeners, is we would like questions because that's part of what we know we do want to do. We want to bring our lovely listeners and donors and have them in on this potathon adventure with us. What we want you to do is leave an audio message for us. 60 seconds, no longer. We really have to keep these very, very short. <laughs> and what you'll do is go to speakpipe.com forward slash big sky astrology podcast. And we will, of course, link that in the show notes. But it's, it couldn't be easier. You go to this webpage. You click record. It'll ask you to put in your name and your address. That's just to keep any interlopers. Email address, that is. What did I say? Well, you said address. Yes, your email address. Back to interlopers, (laughs) though. Yeah, interlopers. We don't want interlopers in our cozy little potathon scene. (laughs) So we will ask you to do that. That's all very private. It's just for us. And then we will include your question, hopefully, in one of the Potathon episodes. Yes, we're hoping to do maybe a daily question from someone. And the cool thing is that you can be anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and you could leave a message for us because this is a web-based application. So absolutely, you don't have to call long distance like the 1980s. No. <laughs> oh, I worked the 1980s into there. Well done, Jen. <laughs> well done. <laughs> or I should have said the 1990s since we're on episode 91. Maybe Maybe people would like to sing a little snippet of one of their favorite 80s hits. <laughs> that would be fantastic, although do keep in mind you have a minute. That's right. If you go longer than that, it's going to be like one of those big hooks they used back in the vaudeville days. It was pull you off stage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we're excited about that. Now, the reminder, too, that we are on this lighter summer schedule that we're only coming to you every two weeks, which we know is a terrible disappointment, but it has given us a little extra time in our schedules to recuperate and regain our our zest and composure and to get a couple of other projects done. And to get planning for Potathon. That's right. So we thank you for your patience and indulgence. And for you to be thinking about teaching courses. Do tell. That's right. I have a big course that's coming up. And it's going to open for registration on August 8th. So by the time people are listening to this episode, it'll already be open. And it's going to be a five-week course 
in practical astrology. And what it's going to cover is that awkward in-between stage where you know the signs and the planets and the houses, but you have no idea how to put them together into a complete sentence that means anything. So we're going to work on that and we'll also work on planetary aspects. There'll be live class sessions, but they'll also be available recorded online if people need to join in that way. And it's going to begin on Labor Day Monday. So that's what I'm doing this Labor Day. Instead of Potathon, I'm teaching my first class. And the other classes will be on Saturdays. So basically to get information about it, we'll, you know, we'll link the URL in the show notes and let you know how you can get in on all that. That sounds fantastic. And I know you've been working your little tail off over this course stuff. I have been. So excellent. Yeah. And I love to teach. I just sort of painted myself into a little bit of a logistical corner here and an aggressive schedule because it's how I like to do things. But I hope people really do enjoy it because I think it's going to be a fun class. It sounds great. Yay. Perfect. All right. Well, my friend, we have another very busy show sheet today. Where do you think we should begin for the first week of this podcast period? For the week of August 16th, we have a couple of major themes this week. One is that Mercury and Mars are coming together in Virgo, so they're starting a new cycle together, and they're both making harmonious handshakes to Uranus. So this is all linking together communication and action and innovation or maybe excitement of some sort. The other one is that the sun is opposing Jupiter a few days before it enters Virgo. Break this down for folks, pal. Where do you want to start with this? It's a lot. Well, let's begin with the Mercury conjunction to Mars on August 18th at 8.28 p.m. Pacific time. That is at 12 degrees, 48 minutes of Virgo, which is on the Sabian symbol, 13 Virgo, a strong hand supplanting political hysteria. Hmm. If only. I guess it could go either way. That's either a dictator or perhaps someone nice coming along and offering a strong hand. Yeah. What do you make of that? Well, you know, with Mars, we always have to be a little bit wary. But I think this Sabian symbol suggests that a cool, rational approach, which is symbolized by Mercury and Virgo, can overcome, you know, sort of the heated rhetoric, you know, what the symbol calls the political hysteria of Mars in Virgo, in this case, which is a little cooler in temperament usually anyway, although when Mars and Virgo gets mad, watch out, because it's very volcanic, it's an Earth sign. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when it does blow, it really blows. So count to 10 before you speak, because when Mercury comes together with Mars, we can be impulsive, we can lash out, we can let our anger get away with us. Now, this is the first of three Mercury-Mars conjunctions, because Mercury will go retrograde in Libra. And so there's going to be a conjunction in Libra on October 9th, and a final conjunction on November 10th in Scorpio. We've got a little bit of a road ahead of us with learning to use our language forcefully for good things, but to sort of restrain ourselves from being impulsive or having a little bit too much of an edge to our communication generally. Would you say that folks have three chances to get this right? Yeah, because the first time is Virgo. Mm Mm-hmm. The thing with Virgo, when you have Mercury, Mars there, is when it gets a little too stressed out or overwhelmed by a lot of small things, that's what will make it angry or overwhelmed. 
Then it'll be in Libra. That is about learning to actually assert an opinion without, again, going overboard. And then in Scorpio, the final conjunction there will be that we have gained mastery Uh (laughs) to some degree, empowerment of Mercury with Mars. That is my hope. That's my hope, too. We shall see. Let's watch with interest. We will watch with interest. That is our (laughs) byword, our motto, if you will. Absolutely. We also, as you said, we have the sun opposing Jupiter on August 19th at 5.28 p.m., 27 degrees and 13 minutes of Leo and Aquarius. And I love the juxtaposition of these two Sabian symbols, Jen. Tell us about them. The one for the sun is little birds on the limb of a large tree. And the one for Jupiter is a tree felled and sawed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Poor little birds. Things looked like it was going in a good direction there for a minute. It really did, but don't get too comfortable up on your little tree limb. Mm -hmm. This is what we call the revelation point of the Sun-Jupiter conjunction back on January 28th, which was also the day of a Leo full moon. And the sun, you know, about pride, confidence, rulers, celebrities, royal people, and Jupiter being about justice, legal action, but also excessive confidence when you put it together with the sun and ideologies that get a little out of hand as well. We'll see how that one plays out. Yeah. And if folks want to hear more about when the sun and Jupiter met up in January, they can go back and re-listen to episode 66, Leo Full Moon, Dinner and Bingo. I'll link it in the show notes. I think you should, and it sounds super festive, and it's always a good opportunity to remind donors about our bingo card. Sure. If you make a contribution to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast at BigSkyAstropod.com, you get a bingo card. Yes. Maybe we have new listeners that don't know that. That's right. $5 or more for your donation. You get the bingo card. You get the most recent special episode that we did for the Cancer Solstice. Totally. What's up next, pal? Uranus turns retrograde August 19th at 6.40 p.m. Pacific time at 14 degrees, 47 minutes of Taurus. Uranus will be retrograde until January 18th, 2022. God, how can it be almost 2022? I know. What happened to 2020? The first half of 2021? I don't know. I object in the most strenuous terms. As my dad said this past weekend, time goes faster as you age. You know, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. So Uranus has been direct since January 13th. It's one of those planets that's roughly direct half the year and retrograde half the year. So we do pay attention to the couple of days before and couple of days after its station, which is when it is changing direction. So this time it's turning retrograde. It will retrograde all the way back to 10 degrees of Taurus which was the degree that it was at between about April 19th and May 6th of this year. I just happened to note that April 19th was the day when all of the adults in America 16 and older became eligible for vaccination. So this is a issue that has sort of come back to the fore and probably will be discussed quite a lot around the time of this station, I would think. Do you equate the vaccine with Uranus or is it just interesting timing? I think it's interesting timing because it concerns the issue that keeps coming up around vaccination about personal liberty. 
which is definitely a concern of Uranus. Oh, right. Yeah. Uranus is a lot about freedom, and that makes sense. Yeah. So this happens just before, just the day before Mercury trines Uranus, and then the next day Mars trines Uranus. This could be a couple of days of innovative breakthroughs, hopefully, or maybe people acting out, demonstrations of some kind we sometimes see with Uranus as well. Even though they're trines, again, with an unpredictable planet like Uranus, it doesn't always mean the best news. So we'll keep an eye on that. Basically, that period between really that whole week, but especially between the 18th and the 21st is pretty fraught with lots of Mercury, Mars, Sun, Jupiter activity. And then we have the sun entering Virgo on August 22nd at 2.35 p.m. Pacific time. So as the sun leaves Leo and enters Virgo, it's a good time perhaps to take the creativity of Leo and turn it into something actionable. Mm-hmm. Virgo is a lot about that, wouldn't you say? Yes. Quantify your creativity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love Virgo and I love this time of year. It's harvest season. There is a sense of renewed devotion to what's important to us. Devotion is a word we often forget when we're talking about Virgo, but it is about that. It's about the care and devotion to the things that really matter to us. It's a sign closely to me associated with ritual. So this is a good time of year to be focusing on what you hope to harvest, what you hope to bring to completion that you've been working on so far in the year. I like Virgo. Of course, you and I both have Virgo planets. We sure do. Yeah, we get it a bit. I find Virgo a kind sign at its best, and like all Earth signs at their best, comforting mm-hmm. and reliable. They, The Virgo people that I know, the people born with the sun of Virgo, love animals, love the outdoors, and are a really good shoulder when you need advice or comfort. Yeah. The fact that Virgo rules small animals and pets, I always found that so odd when I was learning astrology, but Mm -hmm. then it made more sense to me as I thought about it in terms of, well, pets are a part of your daily life, and Virgo is very much about your daily life. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I get that now. Well, our relationship to animals has changed, of course, over the centuries. And another reason we could see it being associated with the sixth house with Virgo is animals used to be our servants. And now we are their servants. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you still live in an agricultural area, you you strap a yoke on your oxen or something and get to work. But most of us, little dogs and cats and bunnies and birds, and, you know, we're sort of planning our whole daily routine around taking care of them. But there's something very healthful about that because daily routines do contribute a lot to making us healthy, especially if they're healthy routines. But just having a routine seems to have been shown to improve people's health. And animals do that. They do keep us on a schedule and give us something other than ourselves to be accountable for. Love that. Oh, little animals. Violet and Toby waking you up in the morning. Feed me, feed me. I know. And Jack and Bear and their little claws clicky, 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 clicky on the wood floor. Totally. Darling pod pets. Love them. Love them all. Hello, friends. It's April here. You know, I've been teaching and tutoring students in astrology for decades. 
And while most of us find it pretty easy to teach ourselves the basics, the signs of the zodiac, the planets, the houses, it can be tricky to take that knowledge to the next level without a little help. Where many of my students get stuck is figuring out how to put together everything they know into complete, meaningful sentences, and also learning to recognize and interpret planetary aspects. If that's you, my friend, then I want to tell you about my new online course, The Essential Course in Practical Astrology. In this five-week online course, you'll get lots of practice speaking astrology and some of my favorite tips and techniques for understanding aspects. The five weekly live classes will be recorded so you can watch them whenever it's convenient for you. And you'll get downloads, worksheets, and access to an online forum so you can talk about astrology with your fellow students. Classes begin in early September and registration is open now, but the window closes on August 30th, so don't delay. Find out all the details and sign up for a free preview by following the link at bigskyastrology.com forward slash learning. That's bigskyastrology.com forward slash learning. See you in class. Jen, do you know what time it is? What time is it? It's time for Moon Watch. <laughs> moon Watch. <laughs> Play it. <laughs> Yes, friends, Moonwatch. This week, of course, we have two, two, two lunations in one because we're covering a two-week period. We begin with the Aquarius full moon, the second Aquarius full moon this month on August 22nd at 5.01 a.m. Pacific time at 29 degrees and 37 minutes Aquarius. Just for the beginners, there are 30 degrees in every sign. This is almost at the very end of Aquarius. Yep. It is sliding into home base. It sure is. It is, as I say, the second of two Aquarius full moons this summer. The other was on July 23rd. I love this full moon, Jen. I love that it's conjunct Jupiter, which is great. And it's on that lovely Sabian symbol, 30 Aquarius, the field of Ardeth in bloom. That's lovely. Yeah, it sounds really nice. It sounds nice for if you've been working hard since that other Aquarius full moon on some kind of outcome. This seems like a nice time to see some blooms. The new moon chart was rough. You know, we won't lie. Just listen to our last episode. It was a pretty interesting chart. But if we did what we needed to do at that new moon, we should already be starting to see just some tiny, nice little results at this full moon. So this full moon's connected to that August 8th new moon, also to the February 11th Aquarius new moon, because a full moon is sort of the response to the call of the new moon in that sign six months earlier. It is also connected to the new moon of February 23rd, 2020 at four degrees, 28 minutes Pisces, because that's what started this lunar phase family that this full moon's part of. A lunar phase family tracks roughly the degree of a new moon over a two and a half year period. But because that new moon in February of 2020 was so early in the sign of Pisces, this full moon at the very last degree of Aquarius, which is almost Pisces, is still part of that family. But it upsets the apple cart a little bit. Otherwise, we've been having a Pisces kind of vibe 
to that whole lunar phase sequence. And now we have this little roguish 29 degree Aquarius. That's super interesting that the Pisces flavor preceded this week's full moon. I wonder how we can put that together. Waking us up. Uh I mean, it's been a very Uranian few weeks anyway. It's true. A lot of aspects to Uranus. And even this week, of course, we started talking about Mercury and Mars trying Uranus and two Aquarius full moons. And I mean, it's an Aquarian year. We had the great mutation, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius at the very end of last year. We had that train wreck of a February with about six or seven planets in Aquarius all at one time. And of course, the big signature of the year aspect-wise is Saturn square Uranus. So it's all coming up Uranus. And this week really shows that. And you say that because Uranus has some relationship to Aquarius. Yes, it's considered the modern ruler of Aquarius, although traditionally it's ruled by Saturn. In Aquarius, we see the tension between Saturn, which is trying to hold things in place, and Uranus, which wants to make healthy and necessary changes (laughs) to old forms. I think it's interesting that this full moon is the second Aquarius full moon that we've had in four weeks And I wonder if there's something here about we're getting two chances for revelation on themes related to friendships and community and long-term planning, that if there's something maybe that you didn't release four weeks ago, you might have another opportunity here to take care of that. What do you think of that? Excellent. You might get more insight as well because of the full moon being that illumination point and things that maybe you thought you had seen the whole situation and resolved it, and they go, oh, okay, there's this last bit that we need to tidy up. Good point, Jen. Thanks. Let's begin week two of the podcast, pal. (laughs) What do you say to that? Well, it's August 23rd through the 30th, basically, if you want to. uh, We'll note that in the show notes so you know if you just want to zip to this part in the episode. Mm -hmm. But, of course, we have a second lunation. We have the Gemini last quarter moon on August 30th, just after midnight Pacific time, 12.13 a.m., at 7 degrees and 8 minutes of Gemini and Virgo. This is technically next week. Right, right. We would normally cover it in the next podcast, but then we're going to get a little bit of a traffic jam there. So we're giving you a little bit of a head start on this last quarter moon. Yeah, and a lot of the aspects from this second week that we're talking about lead up to that last quarter moon, and so it just sort of made sense to throw it in here. Absolutely. Do you want to break some of those down for us? Yes, because this is sort of the last action point which is what a last quarter moon is. It says take action based on what you've seen already in the cycle. And so it's the last action point in that Leo new moon cycle that began on August 8th. The moon, Venus, Saturn, and the node are all working together in a grand trine, which means they're all in the signs of the same element. They're working together in a pretty smooth fashion. The sun is trying Uranus, Venus is square Pluto, Eh, Mars is trying Pluto, Mars is opposed Neptune. So there's a lot going on. So the Venus trying to Saturn on August 23rd at 548 a.m. Pacific time is a time to make relationship commitments to improve financial stability. When I used to do wedding electionals for people choosing wedding dates, it's like they basically didn't want Saturn in the chart at all. Uh (laughs) And I always tell them, no, you need Saturn because that represents the commitment. You're creating a form. 
Yeah, it stabilizes relationships. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That shows you're in there for the long haul, mm -hmm. even when things get tough. So Venus trying Saturn says, yes, you know, that kind of commitment and relationship. But there's also that lovely Venus reward that comes with doing the work of Saturn. With money, same kind of thing, you know, delayed gratification, saving for a rainy day, all of these kinds of things will pay off later on. Mercury is opposed Neptune on August 24th, the next day at 6.14 p.m. So if you lost your temper when Mercury was conjunct Mars, now is the time to kiss and make up. Also, you know, Mercury opposed Neptune, not the very finest day for trying to initiate anything that requires new technology or intense rational focus, anything like that. Save your spreadsheets for another time. Exactly. Yeah. And do some artwork or something instead or play some music or whatever you want to do. Right on. Then Mercury is trying Pluto on August 26th at 7.23 a.m. Pacific time. And this is your day for focus. You really only have to wait two days. If you need to analyze work and career matters, this is the time to bust out the spreadsheets and your beloved checklists and get to work. And you say that because Mercury is about thoughts and communication and Pluto helps you go deep with something. Is that right? It does. And to focus and to really yeah, focus okay. on things. And a trine between the two says it just naturally happens. So if you sit down at your desk or your computer or whatever you need to do, things you'll find things will probably just kind of flow on that day. Love that. And then on the 28th, we're going to have the sun squaring the lunar nodes. This means that we're halfway between eclipse seasons, which is so hard to believe. I know. It seems like we just had those eclipses. It really does. Yeah, the end of May and then June 10th, we had one. But we're halfway to the next eclipse season. So this is often a time when things that came to a crisis point back at the end of May, beginning of June, are sort of triggered again, possibly, because of the transiting sun being there between the nodes. But, you know, what's happening is you're being encouraged, as all these squares to the nodes indicate, to move away from your default position of feeling like you know everything you need to know, and in the Gemini direction of gaining more insight, more knowledge, keeping an open mind. That makes sense. Jen, Mercury's entering Libra, your sign. Libra is my sign. It is on August 29th at 10.10 10 p.m. Pacific time. How does Mercury do in Libra? It is reasonably strong because Mercury likes to be in air signs. Mm -hmm. They're both kind of about communication and um, interacting with people, networking, those kinds of things. This is going to be a long period of improving our skills of negotiation, conciliation, communicating with others generally. It's about finding a balance, finding equality. You know, Gemini, the first of the air signs, is really just about collecting data and information and being a, a focal point for introducing people to each other or whatever. Mercury and Libra, which is the second of the air signs, is about forging relationships, negotiating contracts and agreements with people. And then as Mercury goes into Aquarius, we take it onto a, the level of society generally. So this is a very one-on-one -on -one sign. It's actually all things being equal if you're looking for a time to 
start a business or something like that. You could do much worse than to have Mercury in Libra because Libra is the sign of the marketplace of trade with others. And Mercury is traditionally the planet of business back in ancient astrology. But that's complicated by the fact that Mercury will be retrograde <laughs> while it's in Libra, as I said, Yeah, between September 27th and October 18th. And how far back does it go? It goes all the way back to 10 degrees Libra. Okay. It retrogrades about 25 degrees of Libra, and then it'll go back to 10. Mm -hmm. Just know that that's coming up. We like to give you a heads up and let you know to plan for a Mercury retrograde season when we see one coming, and it's in Libra. Libra, very even, <laughs> very balanced. That's it, indeed. <laughs> Mercury's in Libra through November 5th. Yeah, it'll be there for a good long time because of the retrograde. So usually Mercury zips right through a sign in a few weeks, but we get a little more time with it this time. And I think we could all benefit from Mercury's tutelage in balanced, harmonious Libra. An ability to see all sides. Yes, and to speak a little more kindly to one another. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take out because we want to keep our clean writing. Now. April just swore, but I cut that out. <laughs> I was being contrary. <laughs> oh, Jan, we seem to have done it. We've made it to the end of this epic show sheet, I have to say, in record time. I'm impressed with us, I have to say. <laughs> People's heads must be swimming. Fortunately, they can pause and they can listen back and all of that. They totally can, yes. Oh, goodness. Well, thanks to all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to follow us, rate or review the show, and we hope that you'll help us spread the word by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're so grateful to everyone who's shown support throughout the year. Each week, of course, we thank some of you by name. Who do we have this week, April? This week, we have a huge shout out because we forgot that we were <laughs> we were doing episodes every other week. So we have to like cram some people in here. So sorry, it doesn't mean that any one of you is any less dear to us. We still appreciate all of you. We do. Specifically, Lindsay Vieira, Wild Luna Creations, Connie Cameron, Magdalene or Magdalena O'Boyle, Tammy Dollar, Elliot Mayer, who I love because the name is spelled like mine, E-L-L-I-O-T-T, -T, and Elizabeth Brown. Lindsay, the folks at Wild Luna Creations, Connie, Magdalena, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, Tammy, Elliot, and Elizabeth we appreciate you, and we thank you so much for not only listening to the show, but for supporting us with your donations. You all rock. Thank you so much. What'd you say? I was rocking, but I wasn't doing a very good job. <laughs> April's rocking out. I'm rocking. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can always make a contribution at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. And if you donate $5 or more, we'll send you our most recent Cancer Solstice episode, as well as our delightful bingo card. Indeed. Well, that is it for us this week. Now, friends, as we have been mentioning, we're, we are taking a little extra time off this summer, and we're not gone altogether, but we're releasing episodes every two weeks instead of weekly. Our next episode will reach your eager and delighted ears on Monday, August 30th, and by then we will have more news about the Potathon. 
In the meantime, let's all get a little rest and relaxation. And remember, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time.